Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No. These are the other stories. <laughs> the Fun Zone. Written by Daniel Wilcox. Narrated by Harry Dobby. When Claire opened her eyes, everything was blurry. A dull, throbbing pain in the back of her head. She was lying down on something that definitely wasn't a bed, while a naked bulb hung from nothing more than its own wires directly overhead. Her breathing quickened. She had no recollection of where she was, what she was doing there, why the rest of her body felt heavier than it had since her days of obesity as a teenage girl. That foul smell of diesel oil and sawdust was. And then she heard the voices. Blinked away the sleepiness and saw the shadows of two bodies standing behind her. Is she dead? The voice to her left whispered. I don't think so, dear. Dead people don't breathe. Dead, Claire thought, 
don't breathe, the first voice continued. Claire turned her head just enough to make out the hunchbacked shape of a man. An old man by his looks and sound. Shh, she's waking. They stepped closer. The dim gloom of the bulb casting just enough light to see their faces. Hair greasy and stuck to their heads. Warts and missing teeth. Clothes that clung so tight to their bodies they may as well have been painted. And that overwhelming stench of something foul. Welcome back to the land of the living. The man croaked through lips that barely seemed to open. We thought we'd lost you for a moment. William, the woman barked, smacking the man on the arm. We don't say stuff like that, remember? You'll scare the poor girl half to death. To give the woman her credit, Claire was already terrified. She propped up onto her elbows as her eyes began to adjust to the dark. She was in a room, no bigger than her bedroom back at the flat that she shared with her sister. Only where her room was decorated in fine browns and beiges, this room looked to be nothing more than an outback shack. The walls were wooden boards. The floor and ceiling were wooden boards, and poorly maintained at that. There were cracks, holes, dark places for the crawly things to enter. On the floor beside her she could make out several nails half hammered into place and left to remain as a puncture hazard for anyone that might walk nearby. In the corner of the room was an ugly collection of what appeared to be children's toys. A rusted slinky, a plush toy octopus with the stuffing half leaking out and, if Claire wasn't very much mistaken, a set of greying and mouldy dentures. Do you have any idea where you are, dear? Claire shook her head. Can I say, Scarlet? Oh, can I? Can I? William beamed. Very well, Scarlet said, rolling her eyes. William coughed into his fist, dramatically stretched out his arms and said, Welcome, my dear, to the fun zone. Claire gasped. In a moment, it was all there. The memory shooting back so fast her breath caught. It had been her colleague, Benjamin Clark's idea. Only a few days ago he'd approached Claire in the break room and told her of the fun zone. I wouldn't believe it if Alan hadn't shown me pictures from outside the gates, Benjamin said, whipping out his phone and thumbing through the images. It's a fun park, almost like an early type of theme park that was shut down years ago when health and safety became the same plague that forced me to take training to use the stapler and calling HR every time I spilled tea on the laminate. He had asked if Claire wanted to join him that weekend. He said that he and a few others were all planning to storm the gates and see the rides. Ordinarily, this would have been something she could easily have refused, but truth be told, Claire had something of a crush on Benjamin and an excuse to hang out with him on a weekend whilst also pretending to be so scared that he'd have to hold her tight was certainly an opportunity she could not pass up. So, there she had waited. Outside orange-tainted mesh gates on the far side of Checkerdown Woods as the rain began to pour and the rumble of thunder loomed in the distance. 
staring through the links at the dilapidated buildings that had once been bright and colourful and full of plush toys, tickets and sweets. The skeletal remains of the mini roller coasters that had once sounded laughter and screams, now ominous on the darkening skyline. Eyes darting to her watch every few minutes as the time for their meet-up came and went. It was as she raised her jacket above her hair and thought to turn away that she had heard something. Footsteps. Voices. When she looked back, she could make out the figure of a man waving at her, too far away to see clearly. Benjamin, Claire had called. The figure waved her over. Claire skirted the fence until she found a break in the chain and stepped through. Outside of the gentle hush of the rain, there was little noise. Claire made her way back to where she had last seen the figure, behind the back of a ring-toss stand with bottles broken and covered in grime. On the floor inside the booth was a discarded sleeping bag with slashes across the material. There was no sign of Benjamin, but there were footprints. Thick, heavy treads deep in the muddy floor leading away and into the park. Claire called again, finding little response. Her mouth was dry, and she could feel a sense of dread creep across her as though a hundred eyes were watching. She thought of turning back and running, but two things stopped her. The first was the idea that perhaps Benjamin was just playing games and was going to jump out at any minute, forcing her to fall helplessly into his arms. The second... The second was the sounds of voices murmuring behind. Choked, gruff sounds of a dozen asthmatics chattering in a doctor's waiting room. Claire slowly spun her head and... There was an explosive cackle. Claire had screamed, her bag falling on the floor, soaking up the rain. She looked at the footprints and found herself sprinting alongside, following wherever they were leading. As she had rounded the corner, she came to the entrance of a large imitation manor covered in multicoloured light bulbs and enormous eyes painted into the windows. A sign on the front in bold red splashes read, The Fun House. The bulbs burst into action, temporarily blinding Claire. Later, she might wonder where the electricity to light them up had even come from. She raised an arm to shield her eyes and heard people advancing from behind her. Without even waiting, she ran at the door, hopped the stairs two at a time before feeling her foot slip and... That must have been when I blacked out. Claire rubbed her forehead and felt the lump eyes wide as she looked from William to Scarlet, her chest rising and falling rapidly with every breath. She thought of running, looking at the door to gauge the distance, wondering how fast these gypsy-looking pensioners might really be, until she looked down and saw that her legs were bound in white linen with patches of red soaking through. A small gasp came from her lips as she tried to move her legs, finding that no matter how hard she tried, they wouldn't budge. Oh yes, you took a terrible fall, dear. William here had some real trouble carrying you through. We did all we could, but... Scarlet trailed off, 
her eyes lowering to the floor. But what? What the hell have you done to me? Claire yelled now, finding all that control had been replaced by morbid fear. Where am I? What the fuck is wrong with my legs? Claire sat upright, arms flailing, looking for an escape. Any kind of escape. Damn it, if she had to crawl home just using her arms, she would. She felt herself edging to the end of the wooden table she was laying on and was about to topple before William suddenly advanced and placed his palm against her shoulder. He was impossibly strong and she was unable to resist. In a moment she was pinned to the table, staring up into William's hideous face, noticing now that he was close enough to lick that there was a strange sheen to his face. His hair looked painted. There was a grain on his flesh and his eyes lacked the shimmery glow of liquid. William seemed to sense what Claire was thinking. He smiled as he released the pressure on her body. She seems to have noticed our differences, dear. Scarlet advanced. Well, it was only a matter of time. As much as we do what we can to make our guests feel welcome, there will always be a barrier, I suppose. She turned to Claire. Do you know what we are, dear? Do you know why you are truly here? You're monsters, Claire said dryly, a small cough accompanying the words. Oh, William said, butting his head with the heel of his hand. Of course, of course. He disappeared from the room without another word. Monsters is maybe a rough term, dear. We have monsters here, certainly. Creatures that lurk in the dark places that man built all those years ago. Creatures of wood, of polyfibres, of cloth. Creatures long abandoned and left to rot within the walls of the fun zone. You think that theme parks just die when they're left for years without care? That the props and the models don't find a way to survive and to live without hundreds of visitors to scare each day? Oh no, no indeed. William hobbled back into the room then, a clay cup in his hand. He placed a hand behind Claire's head and forced her back into a seated position. He placed the cup to her lips and, despite every part of her body protesting against whatever he was giving her, she was desperately thirsty and took a long sip. Half a second later, she coughed and spluttered, a fine mist of black droplets exploding into the air. Idiot! Scarlet cried. They drink water, fool! Fetch some of that! William butted his head again. Water, of course. But from where? I don't know. Try the puddles. There's water in those, right? Of course, of course. Claire wiped away tears from her eyes as she felt the coating of oil in her mouth. She watched William limp to the doorway before Scarlet added, Oh, and bring enough for a friend too. They've got a long night ahead and we haven't even gotten round to the tour yet. William nodded and disappeared. Claire looked at Scarlet in confusion. My friend? What are you talking about, my friend? With that came a rattling fit of coughing from behind, followed by a sharp intake of breath. 
Claire turned around so fast she felt something pull in her neck. There, strung up on the wall like some modernist Jesus Christ, was Benjamin Clark. Trails of blood had dried down his body, pouring from wounds badly stitched and sewed. Where his arms should have been, now there were wooden prosthetics, painted and shiny, his hair all shaved and smooth. And on the floor in front of him, sitting amidst the litter of hammers, nails, screwdrivers and other tools, was the strangest creature Claire had ever seen. It looked to be a man-sized puppet of sorts, with hollows where eyes should have been and cracks across its body. Although, as Claire's jaw fell to the floor, as vomit rose up in her body, and as William emerged back into the room sloshing water all around, she saw that the puppet was currently in the throes of attaching one of Benjamin's severed arms to its shoulder socket, threading and tying string, attaching the finishing touches. A moment later it nodded, satisfied with its work. The puppet monster stood and looked down at its arm before raising it in the air and waving at Claire. Scarlet clapped and giggled with glee. Oh yes indeed, my dear. What a night we have planned for you both. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. The Fun Zone was written by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by Harry Dobby, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Mayu, Eden's Coming, and Sam Robson. So we just wanted to take a quick moment to apologise if you didn't appreciate the death of any and all fictional animals on the show. We are animal lovers at heart. I myself have a cat called Oscar and a dog called Alaska. Both of those pets are horror fans who love the deaths of pretty much anything. But that, that is pets for you. They are absolute animals if you enjoyed this episode then you might be interested to know we just published the next patreon exclusive episode hell's kitchen a gordon ramsay horror story about what happens when one of the mouthiest most arrogant celebrity chefs is asked to cook for the gods themselves so if that sounds like your kind of thing go to patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver and become a patron from as little as one pound until next time